We successfully got through one verse. Glory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one verse, last class. I'm actually going to do just a really quick recap of that same verse just because it really fits in with everything else that we're going to hit. We remember the heading is uh, Introduction to Justification. And that's verses 21 through 31. So let's go ahead and read from 21 to 26. Even though we probably won't get to 26, I'm still going to read it because it kind of goes together. And then we'll just dive right in. So here we go. Reading uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Whenever you're there, say amen. Amen. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Be witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus okay so remember we went through verse 21 uh, the whole class to go through verse 21 <laughs> Last time, so let's just travel through verse 21 again really quickly. I'm just going to read this one, and then my dad will begin to read in verse 22. So the scripture says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Remember, it should read apart from law or apart from works of merit. So the righteousness of God, God's how to be right with God, God's righteousness is manifested apart from works. That's basically sums up really what that verse is just kind of saying. So the word righteousness is the result of justification by faith. It is the act or process by which a man is brought into a right state as related to God. It refers to the act of God removing the guilt and penalty of sin from the sinner who places his faith in the Lord Jesus as Savior. It also refers to the bestowal of a positive righteousness found only in Jesus Christ, in whom the believer stands a righteous person before God's law for time and eternity. Uh, while there was a righteousness in the law, it was a righteousness to which man within his own abilities could not attain. There is a righteousness in the law that is, if you keep it perfectly, then you, you're righteous. If you keep the law perfectly in every single way, not not in, you know, nine out of ten, in every single way from the moment you're born, when you take your first breath, you have till your last breath, you have to keep the law perfectly in every single way, in action, in deed, in thought, in every every area, in your mind and in your actions. You have to keep it perfectly in order to be right with God. The Jews would set out to do that, but it's not possible. And that was what Paul was dealing with. It's, it's not possible. You cannot do that. And 
we'll see it later on in the book of Romans, but Paul, because the only thing he knew was law. So what happened was Paul got saved, saw Jesus as the Messiah, accepted him, got baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and then tried to keep the law. And you see in Romans 7, when we get there, we'll see it just don't work. <laughs> Paul just totally came to the end of himself. And remember at the end of the Romans 7, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Well, Paul figured out, well, dude, I can't do this. <laughs> but yet he was saved, trusted in the Lord, believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, was even baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but yet he still couldn't do it. We've got the same thing happening in the body of Christ today. We get saved and we're not the same, but we set out to try to keep the law and we can't. Remember last time I said that the law, there's many places you can see it says the law is not for a righteous man. It says that the law, Paul said that the law is a ministry of condemnation. The law is meant to condemn you. The law is meant to show you that you're not righteous. So to try to keep it, to try to show that you're righteous, the only thing you're going to see is that you're not righteous. But we know we need to be righteous. But what is what hasn't been understood is that, that, that there's another way. And it was always seen in Scripture. And that's really what the next verse says, says being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So what Paul taught, what the revelation that Paul got wasn't something he just plucked out of midair and said, oh yeah, this is the gospel. He got a revelation that it, from God and then what Paul did, which we lack this in the body of Christ, what Paul did was he got a revelation or a thought or whatever it was and then he went into scripture to see can I find it? Because if I can't find it, then that's not from the Lord. That's me or that's from the enemy. You as a born again believer, you could have a thought that's not from God. It's either you or it's a demonic spirit of some, something else can place that thought in your mind. Every thought that we have is not of God. Let's just, we just be real. Right? <laughs> it seems like I have more that are not from God than I do. Yeah. Now I do that are from God. But Paul, so Paul would get a revelation and then he would search the scriptures to see if it's true. And if he couldn't find it, then he'd discard it. But if he could find it, he was proven by the word of God. And he found it. That's what it says, being witnessed by the law of the prophets. So he found that, like it says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested and he can prove it and he found it because it was witnessed by the law and prophets. So basically all of the Old Testament is law and the prophets. And then you have some other things. So he found it in their Bible of that day. He found it. <laughs> that it was all, this was always God's plan. It was always his plan for man to be righteous some other way than law keeping. But we still try to do law keeping for whatever reason. Most, mainly because we just were ignorant of the scriptures. It, it's, it's not fun to say that. It's not, nobody takes any pleasure in that. 
we, but we really are. We're ignorant of the scriptures. And one of the things Brother Danny said this morning was, we'll just take a pastor's word for it. A minister gets up on the pulpit, says something, we're like, oh, Brent, well, that must be proper. But yet it could be totally outright against scripture. Mm-hmm. But nobody searches it out. So there was always witnessed by the law and the prophets that man was meant to be right with God in some other way than law keeping. So now let's get to verse 22. Here we go. We're past verse 21. And the church said, Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Even, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of, of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. This concerns imputed righteousness and tells how it is obtained. Imputed righteousness. That was God's plan for mankind. Mm-hmm. Because you couldn't get the righteousness by keeping laws because we, no man can do it. There's only been one that's ever done it, and his name is Jesus Christ. So, unless you are Jesus Christ, but you're not, <laughs> then you can't eat. You can't. You can't do it. It is not possible. Remember, I gave the uh, example, basically, that if the, the law is kind of like this, if you want to be right with God, you have to touch that ceiling. And you can't have any help to do it. You just have to touch the ceiling. Well, nobody can. We can't. <laughs> Can't touch the ceiling. I don't even get the most athletic person in the world cannot jump and touch that ceiling. I, you, nobody has <laughs> nobody has a two-story vertical, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's basically the idea. The, that's the same idea in the law. God set a standard that no man, it was not even possible for man to do. So you have what happens in the body of Christ is you have born-again believers that are truly saved, they've put their trust and faith in Christ to be saved, and now for the rest of their Christian experience, their sanctification process, they're trying to touch that ceiling. And the only thing that they find, they don't have joy in their Christian experience, their Christian walk. What they find is, I cannot touch the ceiling, and then eventually they'll walk away from their faith. Because it gets so degraded and degraded and degraded and the enemy comes in and heats condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. And where we are in the body of Christ today is we'll just help and heat more condemnation, more condemnation. Right. To where the person walks away from their faith. Not understanding that the way to be right with God is through faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's how, because it's imputed righteousness. That's your, we're talking about our position in Christ. Remember, our position is justification. Our condition is our sanctification. We're going to get to the sanctification later on, but right now it's justification. So remember we talked about the, you know, in on justification. Most people don't understand justification. So they walk away from their faith after failure, after failure, after failure. And then the enemy brings condemnation. And then uh, other Christians join right on in with the enemy. They don't know that they're doing that, but that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. He says that our adversary is the accuser 
of the brethren, if a, as a believer, if you do that to another believer who has just failed, then you are in partnership with Satan at that moment because you are doing the same thing that he does. You are an accuser of the brethren. And in all reality, if, we, if we're all honest, none of us are perfect anyway, so they might be struggling with something, but so am I. So ultimately, I'm in the same place, just as lost, and just in much a need of His grace as they are. We just got different, a different struggle. One person may be struggling with uh, alcohol, and another person struggling with gossip. Is one worse than the other? No. And both still need God's grace. That's right. They both still need God's grace and they both need to understand justification. Yeah. What justification is not is a license for you to live a lifestyle of sin. And that's where people say, oh, that can't be right. What happens is your flesh will twist the scriptures. Someone says that, oh, no, the way to be right with God is by faith. And that you're justified, it's not based off of what you do, it's what you believe that makes you right with God. You're not right with God by what you do or don't do, you're right with God by what you believe. Someone says that, and then the flesh rises up in the person that hears it and says, oh, no, 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 no. No, that can't be right because we do have to do, and that's just a license to sin. Well, that's how you're interpreting it. And the truth is, is you don't actually truly believe the word of God and you don't really believe that God's grace is enough to keep you from sin. And that you think, no, we've got to have a law. We know we've got to have a law now. I've heard ministers say, you explain the message of the cross to them and they'll, and they'll give the answer that doctrinally, and according to scripture, that is totally correct. And then the ne very next thing that they will say is that if I preach that to my congregation, they'll go crazy and sin. That's right. That, that's the answer that you get. If I, because, because, because they've got to have some type of restraint. The grace of God is the only thing that can restrain it's the keeping power of God is the grace of God. Jesus, when he came against the Pharisees and their traditions and their laws, he was not coming against the law of Moses in the, in the scripture, which would be silly if he did, because if he was God, from God, then he can't come against what he set up. He wasn't, though. What he was talking about was their own laws. They call them what? Fence laws. In other words, we've got to create more laws so to try to keep the people in line. What it amounted to was a lack of faith and trust in God. Because if I, if I feel like that I have to do that as a pastor, and I don't trust God in their life, that's really what it is. If I feel like that I have to set up more than what God has already set up, then I'm saying, I don't trust God in their life. I have to set up this law and that law and this law 
next thing you know, you're putting a burden upon the people. Jesus said, you put a burden on the people. And so that's really what it is here that you're, you're describing. So Jesus didn't come against the law. Jesus even said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures and they speak of me. Yeah, so it was always it. about that. The way to be right with God is by simple faith in Christ and the cross. I'll prove it to you. If you go back to your salvation experience, you were a sinner. You were lost. The only merits you had were all bad anyway. <laughs> the only thing you had was sin. You, you, you didn't have any good works, any good merit. You had no Bible reading. You had no prayer. You didn't, there was no church attendance. And if it was, it was forced. My dad was a, a minister. I grew up. Well, if it was my choice, I wouldn't have been in no church. I was there, but he was forced. And I thank God that he did that. Now, at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't have, all you had was sin. And you, but then you, the gospel was preached to you. The Holy Spirit actually had to move upon you and open your eyes that you were lost and that you needed to be saved. The Holy Spirit never did that. You don't get saved. You can't even claim your salvation experience. You were blind to that. The Holy Spirit had to open your eyes to see, uh-oh, I'm lost. And you feel like you're hanging over hell on a stick. That's what it feels like when you get convicted. When you, when you get your eyes open and you see I'm lost, you feel like, if I do not say yes right now to Jesus, then I'm going to die. And that's how you really feel on the inside. Like It's not an option. It is a must. You went up, and what'd you do? Did you have to pray a certain amount of time? No. Did you have to read a certain amount of scripture? No. no. What was the what was the requirement? Faith. Faith. Believe in who Jesus is and what Jesus did at the cross. You didn't know anything. You were scripturally dumb. You didn't know anything. But all you knew was, I'm lost, and what this minister just told me is that there's a Savior. Right. And if I say yes and believe by faith that He died, that He is God, manifest in the flesh, and He came and died on the cross for my sins, see, it's got to be personal. You have to see Him as dying for your sins and taking your place that he did for you and when you did that you accepted it and said I, I believe and all of a sudden boom like that when you got up from your knees or whatever it was that you you were different right. and you knew it you know what you experienced right there you experienced first of all you experienced there was a lot that happened in your salvation experience you experienced the regeneration of God, regenerating you. You were born again. You were once dead in sins and trespasses. When that happened, you were quickened by the Holy Spirit. Your spirit, which was once dead because of sin, was now alive. And now all of a sudden, you could feel the presence of God. Now all of a sudden, you had a love for God where before you didn't. All of this was a result of faith. In Christ and the cross. That's all you did was just believe. You had the circumcision. 
without hands was made, your heart was circumcised. He took the stony heart and gave you a fleshly heart. There's a list we can name. We actually had to do it in one of my classes, Pentecostal Distinctives class. Name everything that is a result of your salvation experience, not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just that salvation experience. There's over 20. And most of us don't even know. We're just like, yeah, praise God. I'm different. <laughs> all of that, all of this took, all of this took place in an instant. All your sins were washed away. You once had a heavy load and it felt totally lifted. And you, you felt like you were just on clouds, honestly. You were just like, praise God. All of that took place and all you did was believe in who Christ was and what he did for you at the cross. You believe that. So what you experienced from your faith was God's grace. His grace, which is the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. That's grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't work for it. All you did was believe. That's all you could do. There were no merits to stand on and say, well, I deserve this. And look, and I did this and I've done this. And because I've done this, this should happen. There wasn't any of that. All it was was faith and God's grace began to flow. What you experienced was the river of God flowing in your heart. The Holy Spirit was moving and working. Right then, boom, on the spot. All you did was express faith in who Christ was and what he did. It had nothing to do with works, right? Yeah. It had nothing to do with merit of any kind. Nothing. And even that, all the works that you did after that, like the fact that you wanted to get in the word of God, because when you before you got saved, you didn't have that desire. But after you got saved, now you had the desire to get into the word. What happens is as we walk with the Lord farther and far, a little bit you know, longer, you know, for the first month, man, you're just like, you feel untouchable. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth month, seventh month. And then eventually somewhere down the road, it seems to change a little bit. Now all of a sudden that sometimes that desire to read just not quite there. And what we try to do, now we're talking about sanctification. What we try to do is, oh, okay, I gotta get that desire back somehow. But we do it in the wrong way. We go about it wrong. Yeah. What we do is we start doing. In order to get that desire back, I've got to pray. Ain't nothing wrong with prayer. But that's what you're trying to do, even though we don't know it, what we're trying to do is get the grace of God to work in our life again. Because it was the grace of God working in your life that gave you a love to read scripture anyway. So if you don't see the fruit happening, then you don't have a doing problem. You just might be disconnected from the vine. Because it's the whole, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit stops moving and working, 
then you won't see the fruit being born. You didn't do anything to get the fruit of the Spirit. There's no work you can do to get the fruit of the Spirit. God only works through faith and grace, never by works. Faith and grace. And this is something the Lord's been dealing with me in, in my own personal life, right? At this exact moment. Because you never graduate from sanctification. You never graduate from the message of the cross. You are always learning. What I see right now in my life is a lack of love in a certain area. There's an area in my, man, I just, I'm just not seeing it. And now I'm faced with a choice. What am I going to do? I know the love needs to be there. Now, if we look at agriculture, if there's a tree that bears fruit and it's not bearing fruit, what can what what would you say is wrong with that tree? The tree is disconnected from some source of life that he needs to bear fruit. And it, it's the same for us. If I don't see the fruit, but what we do is we turn to works. Well, I've got to do more. I don't see the fruit being born, so I have to do more. And we turn to works. Well, I'm gonna, I need to read five chapters a day. I need to pray two hours a day. And if I do that, then the Lord will help me and I'll begin to love. No, you will not. No, you will not. You'll be blessed. No, don't, do not get me wrong. You will be blessed in your Bible reading and you'll be blessed in your prayer time. You will. But the thing that you really want, which is the grace of God, you won't find. Because the grace of God is free. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. Faith and grace is free. For me, the Lord's been saying, you need to forget the doing and you need to check to see if you're in the faith. Are you connected to the vine. The way to get the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit is through faith in the person of Christ and the work of Christ. So what has happened is I have gotten my eyes and my focus off of who Christ is and what he's done for me. And by doing that, I have shut off the flow of the Holy Spirit. So if I shut off that source of life, now, all of a sudden, I see a tree that's not bearing fruit. And the way to fix the lack of fruit bearing is not to do, but to believe. To connect back into the life source. I need his grace in order for the fruit of the spirit to be manifested in my life. And the only way to get grace is by faith. In Christ and what he done. Just like at your salvation experience. The, you started to love God all of a sudden when you didn't before. What was happening? Your faith was in the right object. You started off right. That's what Colossians says. As you have received Christ Jesus. Which was how by faith. So walk ye in him. How you got in is the same way you stayed in. How you got saved is the same way you get sanctified. How you got saved is the same way you stay saved. How you got saved is the same way you're going to get glorified. Mm. There's nowhere else to go. You, when you started on this race, 
You had everything you needed. You didn't need to go anywhere else. All you needed to do was just sit at his feet. Amen. And be a disciple. Which is just, the word disciple just means a learner. You just be a learner of who Christ is and what he's done. Where God places you, you stay there. And he placed you in his son. So you just stay there. <laughs> but our flesh fights against that because we like to do so much. We like to do. Imputed righteousness. All you did was believe and it was freely given to you. If I had a million dollars and my dad... He needed $100,000, I had a million dollars, and there was no way, no way for him to get $100,000. And if he didn't get $100,000, he was going to die. And I saw his need for $100,000, and I said, hey, if you believe that I'll give you the $100,000, then you can have it. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to work for it, all you have to do is just believe that I'll give you the $100,000. And he said, oh yes, I believe. <laughs> I freely take that money and I put it in his bank account. And now the next time he looks in the account, he sees $100,000. He didn't do anything. All he did was believe. And in his account, in his account is now $100,000. In the book of Romans, which we'll see later on, Paul said, reckon yourself. It's just an accounting term, really. That's what it is. Imputed righteousness, same idea. You need to reckon that because you believed, God did what he said he was going to do. And he imputed righteousness into your account. You have now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it says in verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. You got the righteousness of God and the way that you got it was by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did. Anytime you see the term in Christ, with Christ, in whom, anything, by whom, it's always referring to who Christ is and what he did at the cross. You cannot separate Christ from the cross. You can never do that. Anytime you do that, you're going to get false doctrine. You, you just, you cannot do that. Who Christ is and the work that he did at Calvary, all, they are hand in hand. They cannot be separated. One of the errors in the body of Christ today in the church is that there's been a separation from Christ and the cross. So we, there's preaching of Christ just as a good man, Christ as a humanitarian, but you've separated it from the cross. Therefore, you're going to see error. Sin won't be emphasized the way that it should. Salvation won't really be evident because there's no salvation except through the cross. So you separate it from the cross, then you won't really have salvation. You just have people saying a prayer, but there's no effect. There's really no working of the spirit in their heart and life that actually regenerates them. We can only see so much. God sees it all. And he gave us his word to show us that way we would have proper discernment like mm, you separate Christ and the cross and you missing half you you missing the gospel that's not the gospel that's another gospel that's another Jesus you can't separate Christ from the cross if you do it's another Jesus there's only one Jesus and he was 
Manna, he came down from heaven. He was manna from heaven. He came down to earth, lived the perfect life, died on a cross to cleanse you of all your sins, and then he ascended back to the Father, and he is God. There's one Jesus Christ, and there's one work that he accomplished. Sin is the problem, and that's what he addressed, sin. But yet the church wants to address everything else but sin. But yet Christ didn't come to address the hunger of man. He didn't come to address the lack of man. What he came to address was sin. Because the reason that people are hungry in the world is because of sin in the world. The reason that people are without in the world and lack is because of sin. One man is greedy and the other man lacks because one man is greedy. See the problem? Sin. The problem isn't just this person's lack. The problem is sin. We don't address sin anymore. We don't really think sin's the problem. We think it's everything else. Well, if they just lived in a better neighborhood. Or if people just loved them. No, sin's the problem. Sin's the problem. And if you don't love, that's sin. Sin's the problem there too. So sin is the problem in everything that you'll see. There was no lack. Nothing was wrong in the garden until sin entered in. Then the earth became cursed. There was no thorns. There was no thistles. There was nothing like that until the fall of man. Sin is the problem. And until the church sees that sin is the problem and we need to stop addressing everything else and we need to address sin, that's our main priority, to address sin and show how to be saved. You do that and I guarantee you all the other things will follow. If someone who has lost everything gets Christ, and they get saved, and the sin problem's taken care of, I can guarantee you that they won't remain without. Because my Bible says that not even one sparrow, not even one sparrow falls without the Heavenly Father. No. Glory. So if, if that's how he sees and takes care of the birds and the scriptures plain that he takes the grass of the field, he knows that as well. How much more will he do for those that are his true children in Christ Jesus? So you get saved and he'll take care of you. I'm not saying it's going to be a walk through the park, <laughs> but he'll take care of you. We must understand that it is the righteousness of God, which is perfection. Not man's view of perfection, but God's view of perfection. It also speaks of moral perfection. God's standard of perfect and not man's. Now, whenever I was studying this, the Lord really made this real to me. That it is God's standard of perfection, not man's. Man's standard of perfection is just a law-based action. It's all about the action, whether you do or don't do. That's man's standard for righteousness. And in all reality, even though we'll never admit it, we don't even really say that you got to be perfect in that. Just if you do more good than you did bad, then yeah, you're pretty, it's pretty good. 
That's really how we view it. But see, God doesn't view it that way. It's either perfect or it's not. He only accepts perfection because he is perfection. So I'm going to say it because it's the truth, but it can be a little hard to hear and may even shake your world up. God cannot accept anything else but his son because Jesus is perfect. He can't accept you. You're not perfect. That's right. He can only accept perfection. So if you want to be accepted, guess where you need to be? You need to be in Christ. <laughs> because He only accepts perfection. And there's only been one that's perfect in His name is Jesus. He is our substitute. That's the only way to be accepted by God. So... You, this whole idea of me and I do this and I don't do this, you throw that out the window mm -hmm. because you can't be accepted because you're not perfect and he only accepts perfection. So if you want to be accepted, the only way to be accepted is in the beloved. That's what scripture says. You are accepted in the beloved. You can preach that. You have great service on that. <laughs> you are accepted, but only in the beloved. So if you aren't in the beloved, you're not accepted. If, you, if you're once in the beloved and then you get out of the beloved, you're not accepted. Right. Well, how did you get in the beloved? Well, let me go back to the salvation experience. How did you get in the beloved? By faith. The beloved is Jesus Christ. You got in by faith. 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 Are we, are we kind of seeing God's way here? Okay, well, oh, faith. Yeah. Okay. Works, throw that out the window. Faith. 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 The faith. Faith. faith big, true biblical faith is always tied to Christ and what he did at the cross. If it's faith and it's not in Christ, who Christ is and what he did at the cross, it is not biblical faith. When you read faith in the Bible, it is always referring to faith in who Christ is and what he did at the cross. Can I just shorten that? It's going to take me a long I'm just going to say the cross. Every time I say who, it just makes it long. So faith in the cross. When I say the cross, it doesn't separate the person of Christ from the work of Christ. Because remember I said they always have to go together. If it's not faith in the sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ, then it is not biblical faith. There is, it's a worldly faith. It is a worldly type of faith. And I'll give you an example of that. Bill Gates had faith that he could create a computer program or a computer that would, that basically would totally change the world that we live in. He had faith. That was faith. Faith is just believing. He believed that he could do it. Well, he was right. He did it. <laughs> But see, that's not biblical faith. Now, now that I've shown you that example of faith, now can you see maybe with believers or even in your own life where you've said, oh, that's faith. And you say, well, wait a minute, that's not. Well, I have faith that God's going to make me a great minister. Well, see, that's not faith in the cross. That's really faith for your own kingdom. 
See, now that changes faith altogether. And now what happens, if you get a hold of this, what's going to happen is you're going to start discerning what's not true biblical faith. Now, I'll just tell you the truth. What's going to happen is you go tell everybody that you're going to get persecuted. <laughs> but see, that's just the truth. See, that's, I, I firmly believe that that's why the church in America hasn't experienced persecution because we haven't preached biblical doctrine 100% pure. I'm talking about the pure gospel. We have not preached it in its purity. So therefore, there's no persecution. If you're not a threat, nobody's going to persecute you. If you're not offending anybody, nobody's going to persecute you. And I'm not talking about just going around offending just to offend. Like, hey, hey, you know what? You're ugly. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, hey, this is what the, the word of God says that that's not biblical faith. And God doesn't recognize that. And they say, well, now what? An offense of the cross has just happened. And you're gonna get you're gonna get persecuted. They might not stone you. Hopefully, they don't stone you. That would be bad. <laughs> you might not get stoned, but they might exile you from their group. Yeah. That's persecution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't want to have anything to do with that person. That's persecution. Yeah. Well, well, we we and we've said it for a while now. We haven't really experienced persecution in America. And I'm telling you that I believe. 100% that it's because we haven't preached the gospel in this purity. You start doing that, and just like the, the prophets in the Old Testament, you will. They were killed because, because they stuck to, thus saith the Lord. And they were killed. And they said, thus saith the Lord, even when they knew that what they were about to say, they get them killed by the king or whoever it was they were telling it to. That's a perfect example. And we haven't seen that in America. I'm just talking about America. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in America. Because, and once I know it's tough, it's, it's tough. I know all of this is tough. There's some hard sayings here. But the church in America has been doing it wrong for a while now. That's why there hasn't been any persecution. And in all reality, we just keep getting more and more like the world, like Brother Danny said. And claiming it as biblical faith. And claiming it as the gospel. Yeah. And it's not the gospel. That's not, it's not faith. That's faith for what you want. Faith for your kingdom. Faith for your ministry. Faith for your... It's all about you. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith will always be tied to the sacrifice of Christ. If it isn't, then it's not biblical faith. And God doesn't recognize it. Cain and Abel is a really good example. They both, it was both the sacrifice. But Abel offered up the lamb. Which is what God said. You offer this and I'll accept you. God didn't reject. He didn't necessarily accept Abel and reject Cain just based off of the two boys. They're both sinners. They're both lost. The acceptance of Abel was because of the sacrifice that Abel offered. The rejection of Cain was because of the sacrifice that Cain offered. Remember he told, he told Cain that you know what to do. You know what's right if you just do it. If Cain would have offered up a lamb, he would have been accepted. Yep. 
God doesn't the rejection of the acceptance of the person doing offering the sacrifice mm -hmm. is determined on the sacrifice. If your sacrifice to God isn't the Lamb of God, then He will reject you. Cain offered up the works of his own hands, and he was rejected. So you're either accepted or rejected based off of the sacrifice that you offer to God. And that sacrifice is not you, it's Christ. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold God's sacrifice. We said it before, Jehovah Jireh. Abraham on the mountain. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah my provider, Jehovah's provision shall be seen. Instead of Isaac, there was a lamb or a ram caught in the thicket that God brought there to take the place of Isaac. Jesus Christ was the ram caught in the thicket. That took your place on the altar, which was the cross. So it's your choice. You can offer up what you want, or you can offer up the lamb that he's already provided. Glory. You offer up what he's already provided, and you'll find acceptance because you'll be in the beloved. Everything. I mean, I'm thinking about times that I go to church and may not really be focused on the Lord, and I'm lifting my hands and thinking about other things that are going on. And, and I know that seems like a silly thing to 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 talk about, but He's not my focus. He's, you know, what I'm saying. So mm -hmm. this really does change everything. And I'll tell you, one of the areas that will change is music. Mm -hmm. See, because there's, there's a lot of music that falls under the genre of Christian or gospel. But now that we're talking about true biblical faith, if the song is not lifting up Christ and what he did at the cross, then what you will find lacking is the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, like we talked about towards the beginning of the class, you got the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit in your own heart through faith in Christ and the cross. So if a song comes and it doesn't promote faith in Christ and the cross, then what's going to be lacking is the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit in the song. That's right. See, a lot of times in the church, we're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall like it's some random thing that's yes. going to happen. Yes. It's not a random thing. It's just, it's not. You sing a song about the blood of Jesus Christ, and you have a bunch of saved people there that have had their sins washed by the blood of the Lamb, you will find the moving operation of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Now you turn around and sing a song about how much you love God. The only thing, you're not experiencing the movement and operation of the Holy Spirit. What you're experiencing is flesh and emotion. Oh, I just love God so much. And you do, but that's 
Not saying that you don't, but that's just your emotion. Because that can be subjective. It's subjective. Your current circumstances, what you believe God has done for you. God just paid a bill for me, and I'm just worshiping and worshiping right. him. Right. Which there's nothing wrong, obviously. Right. You give no, thanks for that. But it's still subjective to what just happened to you right. in the natural. The power of the cross of Christ is that if you lose everything, you will not lose your praise. Yes. Amen. You won't lose it. I have. I read before. I, before I knew the the message of the cross. Before I knew the cross and real and the Lord opened it up to me and revealed it to me. Before I knew that, I read in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas are upside down in the stocks in prison after they have just been beaten, and it says that they sang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I. I because I don't understand the message of the cross. I, I'm just in the flesh. I'm thinking, how in the heck? Yeah. I mean, can we just be honest? I read that and I'm like, dude, I, I couldn't do that. Well, no, dad, you can't do that. And they weren't doing that. Yeah. How is the greatest question that is never answered in the body of Christ and behind pulpits? Right. You need to do this, but no one tells you how. Yeah. And you know that you need to but nobody tells. Just I know, I know that I need to, and if I don't, it's sin. I know I need to love my neighbor as myself. I see it in Scripture. I know that it's there. But somebody, please tell me how, because I don't know how. I know it's right. The law says, "Thou shalt not covet," and I see it and go, "I know that I don't." Need to covet, but it never tells me how not to covet. So the only thing that I see is covetousness in my heart. (laughs) And it tears me down little by little by little, tears me down. And I weep and I weep and I weep because I see how shall not covet. That's exactly what happened to me. And I said it last class, but it fits right in. I wanted to be married so bad. I wanted a wife, and it was idolatry. Mm-hmm. It was an idol in my life. I wanted a wife, and it was an idol for me. And I saw it in Scripture, and I knew. Thou shalt have no other gods before. See, we ain't talking about man-made laws. Now we're talking about Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I had it. And I saw it. And I knew it. I couldn't change it. And I didn't know how. And no minister ever told me how. But they would preach. Thou shalt have no other idols before me. They didn't say those exact words, but their messages were that idea. Thou shalt have no other idols before, no other gods before God. And I would be so convicted. And that's still the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is still the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. That was right. The problem is, is I got left there hanging over a cliff on a stick. And they never told me how. 
So you have believers, and that's what's happening right now in the body of Christ. You have believers all over the world love God with all of their heart. They see the things in the Bible, and they know that they don't measure up, and they want to so badly, but they do not know how, and the minister that they sit under does not tell them how. And he just continues to preach, you need to do this, but never telling them how. And then the Pentecostal realm says it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't even know how to get that. And they say, well, it's just the baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you look in your Bible and see what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for, it is for service. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for service. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit living on the inside right. of you. And that is enough to have victory over sin. But you have this through grace and faith. No other way. No other way. So the Pentecostals get another piece of the puzzle and they say, well, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is, but not by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's just for service. But it is by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't know how the Holy Spirit works. There is a way to get the grace of God and the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you don't have to wait for Sunday or Wednesday or this class to experience it. You can experience it on a daily basis if you know how to get it. And we'll see that in Romans chapter 8. For the law of the Spirit of life, that's the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus. You want the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit... All you got to do is just have faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. When you do that, you'll find, oh my goodness, I'm connected to the vine. And all I did was just believe. And there's fruit all over the promise. That's right. There's fruit in the promise. You remember the promise? In the promised land, there's fruit so big. Grapes, they carry back on the stick. <laughs> it's so big. Promised lands in Christ Jesus, where the fruit is so big. Because you're connected to the vine. And you're finding, I'm connected to the life source. And the way I got connected was by faith in Christ and what he did at the cross. So the way to stay connected is by faith in Christ and what he did at the cross. And as I do that, I find the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit and I see. So big in the promised land. And all of a sudden, loving my neighbor mm -hmm. is breezy. <laughs> and I'm not even trying. And if somebody said to me, Oh, wow, you really loved your neighbor right there, I would be like, What are you talking about? <laughs> I wouldn't even know. I would never be able to take credit for it because the only thing I would be consumed with is that Christ did so much for me at the cross and I continuously learn that and learn that and learn that and then when it comes to the end and I'm done here on earth and I get to heaven, I'll take the crown and throw it at his feet because it's all about Jesus yes. and what he did. We just... Connecting dots as we move through. Connecting dots. There is only one way for this righteousness to be obtained. And it is through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
No amount of good works or privileged position can attain to this which God demands. And he demands perfection, just like we said. It is only obtained by faith. Just like this scripture says, verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. So where is the righteousness of God found? And how do you get it? By faith. Where is the righteousness of God found? And you can, you can only get it by faith. This simply, which I, I, I basically hit, I'm just going to read this real quick, already said. This simply means that the sinner believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he became man in order to become the perfect sacrifice which God would accept. The sinner must believe that Jesus died on Calvary and in doing so offered up himself as an atonement for the sin of man. In the offering up of himself, man's sin debt was instantly paid with Satan holding no more claims over the head of man. Also, that Jesus rose again on the third day, which guarantees the resurrection of every saint of God who has ever lived. This is what it means to have faith in Christ. Okay, that next part. <laughs> Unto all and upon all them who believe. This states two things. The way given is unto all, meaning that all are on the same level. It is one Savior and therefore one salvation for all of humanity. The second thing is, it is given to them only who believe. It speaks of far more than mere mental affirmation, but rather an acceptance unto oneself of what Jesus did at Calvary nearly 2,000 years ago. The believing is that he did it for you. And without what he did, one cannot be saved. It has to be a personal belief. It, it, mm -hmm. it can't be, oh, well, I believe it because my mom and dad said. Uh, you, you have to really see it. Yeah. You, ha you have to see it in your own heart. It has to become personal. We are to believe that he took our place and suffered the penalty, which was rightly ours. Uh, next one, Dan. For there is no difference. This simply means that salvation is for all and comes on the same basis, which is by faith, whether the person is a Jew or a Gentile. There's not a second salvation plan for the Jews as there is for the Gentiles. It's the same for everybody. Uh, let's go ahead and just go through the next verse. It shouldn't take too long. Verse 23. For all have sinned, all men are placed in the same category, that of a sinner. The word sin, and you'll see this on your handout, the definition there, I'm not, I'm not going to try to say the Greek word sin. <laughs> the word sin, uh, you see the Greek word on your sheet, and it means to miss the mark, thus to fail in obeying the law. God has set the standard for righteousness, and man has failed to meet that standard. The law. Man has failed to keep the law constantly, not just once or twice. All have sinned 
and all continue to sin at least in some way, shape, or fashion. All are lost and all need salvation. Next day. And come short of the glory of God. The Greek carries the idea right now come short. And so in the Greek, that verse says, and come short of the glory of God, doesn't mean in the past you came short. Sure. It means right now, all come short. They are all coming short of the glory of God presently. Every single person in this room right now, whether we know it or not, we are coming short of the glory of God right now in your condition not in your position in your condition there are things in our lives that don't need to be there right. there are thought processes that are not right mm -hmm. there are areas in our life where we don't trust God where we don't have the right faith there are areas like that there, thing, there may be something you're involved in right now that's sin. So in your condition, we all fall short. That's why you can't bring an accusation against a brother or sister in Christ. That's right. As brothers and sisters in Christ, the way we should judge each other is through our position, not our condition. We all got messed up conditions. We are all messed up. Brother Swagger says, we're all squirreled up. <laughs> I'll admit that, that that statement does not come from my generation. So I said, you can <laughs> but <laughs> every single one of us. Brother Larson said, sin is a buffet. Eat off your own plate. That's right. <laughs> not off your neighbors. We all have. We all have it. Right. It's, in, it's in all of our lives. And we need to learn. The, you want to talk about seeing, like what Brother Danny said, there's not love in the body of Christ. You want to see it? Start looking at each other through your position in Christ yes. and not the condition. Because you know what? You're going to see somebody gossip. Yes. Just, can we just be real? We're going to see that. Because last time I checked, we're not perfected yet. That's right. And if you think you are, then we'll just get you saved and you'll find out that you are. <laughs> yeah. None of us are perfect. And what most people do is when stuff like that happens, they leave, they have fun. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, these, again, you know what? This church is just not God. Like, yeah, that's it. The church. It's not the church. It's the people, first of all. It's the people. And everywhere, last time I checked, Everywhere that there's a church, guess what it takes to have a church? People. Yeah. Everywhere that there's people, you'll find sin. Yeah. Everywhere that there, you're going to find it. Gossip. Everywhere. Sarah. It's crazy though, like, honestly, when you place that person under the blood in your own mind, just the peace that you have, yeah. because then you will, I found that myself, like, now I'm not, because I see them as in Christ, I'm not always worried about what they're doing or what they're not. I'm like, you know what? They're in, they're in Christ. They're, people are going to make mistakes. That's fine. I need to get over myself and just stop thinking about what Hello. everybody else is doing, you know? Sorry. And then honestly, then I have so much peace because I'm not like, 
Well, she's, she's doing this, and she's doing this. You know, I'm just like, you know what? She's in Christ. He's in Christ. They're getting it. I'm still trying to work to the mark, you know? And it's just crazy how much more really just peace that that gives me mm-hmm. placing other people into Christ. In my head, obviously, I can't physically do that. I'm not the Holy Spirit, but. This is, if, if, if we really, if, and let's just, we'll just really show it for the way that God sees it. Uh, can we just, we just do that? Yeah. You, you have kids, you have two children, and they're fighting and arguing, and they're both, it's wrong. They both did something wrong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all both wrong. Yeah. Neither one of y'all right. That's right. But yet, you want to nail each other to the wall. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. They want to crucify each other, but they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they're both wrong. That's how God sees believers when they. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this part, like well, that part, boy. There and really, we don't we don't say it this way. We're like, well, I can't believe they're involved in this. But really, well, did you see how far they missed the mark? That's right. <laughs> sin, sin's missing the mark. Well, you see how far they're missing the mark right now. Well, you're missing the mark too. That's through the eyes of God. That's what he's like. So are you. Yeah. If it wasn't for Jesus, you. if it wasn't for my son and what he did at Calvary, you'd both be lost. Yeah. 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 I'm coming closer to the mark. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> You're actually farther because now you got self-righteous. <laughs> but that's what happens. So you can't see it. You can't see it. But that's really, that's how God sees it. Two of his children, both in Christ, both justified. God's verdict over a believer, because it is a verdict, is that you are justified. You are not guilty. For Israel, they had the great day of atonement. It's said that during the great day of atonement, Satan could not bring one accusation against any of God's people during the great day of atonement because it was the great day of atonement where a sacrifice was offered up and all sins were forgiven. That's right. All sin was atoned for at the great day of atonement. So therefore, Satan could not bring an accusation against one of the children of God during the great, which the Jews, during the great day of atonement because it was the great day of atonement. And their sin was atoned for by sacrifice. Well, as when I saw this in my study one day, I had, I had a Pentecostal fit in my room. <laughs> That means when I saw it, I said, glory to God. And I danced and jumped and shouted, and I just didn't even care. But anybody that didn't care, don't care, don't care. They had that one day of the year. Mm-hmm. If you're a believer in Christ, you have that every day. That's right. Every day is that. Because Christ was the lamb that was offered on the mm-hmm. great day of atonement. Mm-hmm. So you have a great, you don't have just one great day of atonement. Every day is the great day of atonement if you're in Christ Jesus. So if Satan can't bring, and yeah, is right. If Satan can't bring an accusation against them on the great day of atonement because 
and you have that in Christ every day, then every day He cannot bring an accusation against you. Yes. I don't know where it says it for sure. I think it was Paul. I always say I think it was Paul, but everybody made fun. It was Paul. Sarah's like, I can always Paul. <laughs> but I think I think I, I do believe Paul said that it says that who can bring a charge against God's elect? If you're in Christ, well guess what you are? God's elect. Why can't somebody bring a charge or accusation against you? Because you're in Christ. Because the great day of atonement is every single day. Like there's there's many like the year of jubilee you got that every day they had it every seven or 77 years you got that every day in christ everything was fulfilled in christ all of these all of them in christ every day in christ satan cannot bring an accusation against you today if you're in christ and then tomorrow when you get up and you renew your faith because you got to renew your faith daily Scripture says, if any man desire to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. That taking up of the cross, the denial of self is not asceticism. That's right. The denial of self that that scripture is talking about is, Lord, I cannot do it, but you've done it. Denial of self. And then it says, take up your cross because he was your substitute. And through its its identification, we identify with Christ. Scripture says that we are baptized into Him. We're baptized into His death, His burial, His resurrection. So therefore, when Christ was crucified, I was crucified. When He died, I died. When He was resurrected, I was resurrected. When He ascended, I ascended. Now He's seated at the right hand of the Father, which means I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. Because I'm in Him. Because I'm in Christ Jesus. When God looks at me, he doesn't see me, he sees Christ. Amen. Because I'm in Christ. Remember, he can't accept you, you're not perfect. But he can accept Christ. He's not pleased with you because you're not perfect. He's pleased with Christ. It's impossible to please God but by faith. That's what it says in Hebrews. Faith in Christ places you into Christ. And he sees Christ. Every, when he looks at me, when I get up in the morning before I utter one word, before I say any prayer, before I read anything in scripture, when I get up, when I wake up, I'm in Christ Jesus. It's not, you're not in and out. You're not in and out of Christ. You're in him. The only way to get out of him is to stop believing. You keep believing, you're in Christ. So, now that we talked about the Great Day of Atonement, back to believers with other believers. They're in Christ too, right? That's right. So, like we said earlier, if you bring an accusation, you, you're sitting in the seat of Satan. That's right. Bringing an accusation against a brother or a sister in Christ, and you say, well, they are sinning and missing the mark. <laughs> Well, so are you. Mm -hmm. Actually, Scripture says, all come short of which means right now come short. Everybody currently, presently come short, continuously coming short of the glory of God. Yeah. The only way you won't in your condition is if you are perfect. But you're not. 
So now do we see why God frowns upon judgment of another believer. But we are to judge sin. We make that clear. That judging sin and judging a person is different. That's right. Oh, the world will tell you. Oh, exactly. the world twists scripture. Oh, no, you can't judge me. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you continue that lifestyle of sin, you, you'll, you'll be judged. But if you just believe in Christ, not only will you be saved from the judgment of God, but He'll change you. And the sin will fall off. The believer not only comes short of the glory of God before his conversion, which we all admit to that, but even continues to do so at present. See, the only way the will ever can be accepted by God is to be in Christ. You're justified because you were in Christ, because you were placed into Christ. Uh, you're able, you're actually able to be sanctified because you're in Christ. If you are not in Christ, God cannot sanctify you. And let's be clear, God is the one who sanctifies. We don't, you can't sanctify yourself. Only God sanctifies. It said the, the, in the Old Testament, the, the name of God was Jehovah uh, Makadesh. And it means Jehovah who sanctifies. It doesn't say Sarah, who sanctifies. It says Jehovah, who sanctifies. He does it. But we, most of the time, as believers, we set out to do it ourselves because we know that it needs to happen. But the truth is, is we're just impatient. And scripture says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here, little, there, little. See, it, we're, we're difficult. We see, we're sheep. We're dumb. It takes a while. We're hard-headed. It takes a while. We don't get things the first time. But he's so patient. And thank God that he is. I'm so thankful. For his if God wasn't patient, I would not be. He would be here just telling him to destroy me. And we need that patience with one another. Amen? We need the God kind of patience. See, that's a fruit of the Spirit. The only way you get that is by being connected to the vine. Like we talked about earlier. You disconnect from the vine, you won't have it. And you'll be trying to get it all on your own. And you'll be like, I just need to be patient with you. But, ah, man. And then, so what'll happen is on the outward, you'll look like you're really patient. But on the inward, in your heart, you really strangle them at the throat. <laughs> yeah. That's really what happens. So on the outward, we don't show it. But on the inside, right here, where God sees. Yeah. We're killing them. <laughs> we've already casted them off. In our heart, we've already stoned them. We need, we need the working of the Holy Spirit that we might be patient with our brothers and sisters while they're going through the sanctification process. Just like somebody needs patience as we travel through the sanctification process. And the best way to get that happening is to view each other as in Christ. That's right. Through each other's position in Christ. Yeah. Sinless perfection is not taught in the Word of God. Okay. You go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. We're almost done. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Maybe this will help some of you understand this verse a little bit better. It did for me. I know that whenever I was able to see it and the Lord opened it up uh, and they taught it at Bible college, it changed everything. I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. <laughs> Man, First uh, John chapter 3, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Okay, there's a difference between failing and practicing sin. I'm a practicing physician on a daily basis. On purpose. On purpose, I'm a practicing physician. That means constantly. So the idea is... You can't be a believer and practice sin. That, no, I, I set out to do it. Can't do it. Because yeah. there's no, it can't just talk about, and I, for me, it was, it's totally wrong before I read it, like, okay, well, I, you know, you read it like, okay, we can't, obviously I'm not saved if I'm sinning. That's how I read it before. Because it says that if you, can't be born of God and sin. Like, oh shoot. So if I failed, if I stumbled and I failed, then I was like, oh man. Well, obviously I'm not saved. You see how the enemy in your flesh will just twist the scripture. So now you'll just, like that, you walk away. Like, oh, I'm not saved. Or you'll just think you just need to keep getting saved because you're going to keep failing. <laughs> So it's just constantly, you say the sinner's prayer 10 times in one day. <laughs> because you can fail 10 times in one day. Like, oh God, oh sin. I got saved 10 times today, praise God. <laughs> it's really referring to practicing sin. You can't, you can't live a life, if you're truly born again, you can't live a lifestyle of sin. You'll be so uncomfortable. You can't do it. You literally, it's, it's like an impossibility. You have to force yourself to live a lifestyle of sin if you're a believer. Yeah. I heard one of the Bible college students preach it. He was preaching one time talking about that. He said, now that you got saved, you can't even sin, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even sin, right? The thing, the way you used to sin, you used to sin before and then you got saved and now you, you set out, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you try, you know, well, I'm just, you know, some bad in your life, whatever. And you just have a weak moment, you know, not nobody, nobody judging anybody. You just have a weak moment and you're just like, that's it. I'm, I'm going for it. <laughs> and you set out to live for one night, you know, that's it. I'm going to live like I used to. And you can't even do that. You felt like, man, you know, it's just not for me. I'm not comfortable here. I just, every, I just, I don't feel comfortable. You feel gross. You're just like, oh, man. I remember, and you're gonna have to, now I'm going to ask that you, you see me through my position in Christ on this one. I was going through a rough time. And um, one, one night, for whatever reason, I believed a lie from the enemy, planted in my head. And I was just like, I'm over this. I'm done. <laughs> And I made up in my mind, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm going to drink. I'm going to go, I used to, right? I used to live that way. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go drink and I'm, I'm going, I'm going out. I was so uncomfortable. I was like, dude, this place, this is, this is, 
why did I even come here? This is horrible. Like, I was so miserable. But I was trying. I was trying to sin. Born again. Love God. And I'm trying to sin. And I couldn't even do that right. Just like I totally forgot. I was like, I'm not good at this anymore. That's the way that my mind was probably like, dude, I'm not good at this anymore. I'm not good at this anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't drink like I used to. I can't, I don't even enjoy this. It's dark in here. This is horrible. It smells bad here. I don't understand why I ever like this. <laughs> and then by the end of the night, I'm, I, Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I love you, Lord. You've changed me. I don't want to go back. I can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. See, I can't practice it. See the idea now behind that? You can't. If you're truly born again of God, you can't practice sin. How many people in the celebrities are really bad at this? The, just, the Kardashians are really bad at this. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not even like a social media person and I know about the Kardashians. So that's a problem. They, they claim Christ. They've, they've claimed Christ and that they're actually saved. Oh no, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus. But they practice a lifestyle of sin. So that verse right there, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, says, uh, 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 then your salvation that you claim is empty, vain, and it's not real. Because you can't practice sin. If you're truly born again, you can't practice sin. Remember, you can't even sin right now. And when you set out to live that way, and you have to really make yourself, you fail. We all, as believers, as believers, we have a desire to be like Christ. Amen. Amen. We want to live righteous lives, right? We, yeah. we, we, we've been given righteousness in Christ freely. And what we want is that righteousness that we have already been given to be manifested in our lifestyle. That's what we want. That sanctification. And that's what we want. We all want active, realized righteousness. However, we can't have it all the time. We are human beings mm -hmm. in this weak, fallen body. Scripture says the body is dead because of sin. Paul said that. It is not a matter of if you fail, but when you fail. Yeah. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. Brother Danny's going to fail. My dad's going to fail. Sarah doesn't ever make any mistakes. Sarah's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to fail. Eh? We're, we're all going to fail. Amen. <laughs> Every single one of us. Now that we really start to see, and I, I need to know more about justification. Yes. I need to know my position in Christ because I'm going to fail. And if I don't understand justification and my position in Christ, the position that I have in Christ, I don't understand how I got it, how to keep it. I don't understand what it means. If I don't understand that, then I will never make it through the sanctification process. I won't make it. I'll be, I'll be saved, but miserably saved. I won't have joy. Because the only thing that I'll see is I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. You live under condemnation. 
and you can't have both. They're both verdicts. You can only live under one verdict at a time, either condemnation or justification. You can only live under one. You can't live under both. You got Christians all over the world living under condemnation and they're justified. They just don't know it. See, if you don't know it, you can't believe it because you don't know. You, I don't know. Now, once you learn justification, you, oh, no, I believe that. And you can walk in it. And it's going to change everything. You'll feel like you've just been born again all over again. And that you got it every day. And that every day is the great day of atonement in Christ. And there will be no accusation brought against me. Because I'm in Christ. I know I failed. The enemy will tell you a part truth. Well, you you, you are a failure. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> Take a rocket scientist to know that I'm a failure. Yeah, I sinned. I failed. I fall short of the glory of God daily. But the enemy comes and says, you're a failure. And we, we, we just like, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Okay, so as every other saint that's ever lived for God, we've all failed. Pick your head up. Get over yourself. Yeah. It's a focus on self. That's self-focus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Mm. Brother Ah Cornell, he said that a lot of times, and he said ministers say it, and it is the truth. You say that you look in the mirror, you're the, you're the problem. The problem is you, and it is. We, we're the ones that fall short of the glory of God. We're the ones that struggle in the sanctification process. We're the ones that don't measure up. But he said, what happens is you get so focused on that, you never see the answer. Yeah. It's constantly, I'm the problem, I'm the problem, I'm the problem. Yeah. Every situation is certain, I'm the problem, I'm the problem, I'm the problem. Christ is the answer. What you have in Christ is the answer. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our way. Keep, fix your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Amen.